Well, I want to just share with you what the Lord's given me today. And when Brother Jonathan has it ready to load, he'll get her loaded. Pray for us. We're trying to get this new computer and all this pro presenters mess cleared up. Amen. Amen. It's like fretting leprosy. It just keeps coming back. You fix something else and something else comes back. All right. So um, I'm going to have you out of here by noon. You got to go to work, Kirsten? Not till three. Praise the Lord. Okay. All right. So over the past few months, we've heard this term essential. We've heard the term essential. Essential means absolutely necessary. Extremely important. And so we've uh, talked about essential. We found out that restaurants were somewhat essential. Bars and casinos were somewhat essential. Churches weren't essential. Barbershops were essential. Thank the Lord, Brother Vernie, huh? Well, not for a while, yeah, because we all looked like the shaggy DA there for a while. Amen. And I just thank the Lord, right before this thing shut down, I got a haircut or I'd have been really bad. So all of these essential things, the necessary things are extremely important. You have to have some essentials. So I want to talk to you today about this, the essential elements of the end-time church. The essential elements of the end-time church. Now, brothers and sisters, we have an election coming up in what? Seven to eight days, nine days. And uh, if Joe Biden wins, he needs to write a book on how to stay in your basement and win an election. To never come out. And when you do come out, put everybody in a circle. And wear a mask and, and get in a parking lot. And I guess that Brother Obama... Had a, had a car rally in Philadelphia, and they all sat in their cars, and I'm thinking, well, we did that. We had church. We had them all sat in their cars, and we just put it on 96.3. Amen. Rocking with Jesus. 96.3, rocking with Jesus. Rocking the tri-state area, which I don't think that works around here, but where I'm from, it did. Amen. And so um, we have an election coming up, and it is critical We've said that the last few elections, but this is critical because we, we now, tomorrow, no, most likely there will be a new uh, Supreme Court justice confirmed to the Supreme Court, the 115th justice. Amen. And this justice is the exact opposite of the justice that she's replacing. And even if the, the chief justice who has who has voted with the liberal side of the court for the last year or so, even if he does continue to do that, then the conservative originalist on the court would still be five to four. And some things it could be six to three. And the, the left is crazy because they're afraid Roe versus Wade will be overturned. What they don't realize is even, but there is a situation here. Even if it is overturned, that means that it will not be the law of the land, but it will just go back to the states. But then you will have states like Missouri that will say, no more abortions. And they all have to come over here to Illinois and drive through that beautiful, luxurious place called East St. Louis 
and see the billboard where they can go to get their abortion. But the, the enemy is so mad. The enemy is so mad. But God said that he was going to do this. God prophesied this through men way back in 2007, that this was going to happen, this was going to take place. And I don't know, I'm praying that it is a large victory. I'm praying that it is a large electoral victory to where it doesn't matter how many ballots Pennsylvania gets mailed in three weeks after the election. It doesn't matter how many get uh, brought in from here or there that even if all those states then flipped to the other side, it still wouldn't be enough. I thank God for some reason that the, somehow the founders put together the Electoral College. I mean, God put in the founders' minds things that when you first look at it, it doesn't make any sense. But then after you study it and realize it, wow, it does make a lot of sense. And so there's probably going to be riots No, let me change that. There will be riots. There will be riots. There will be places that will get burned down and looting and everything else, and and groups will, will stand up and protest and all of this. But what I'm saying is we are the end time church, brothers and sisters. God called us to this king to this hour in the kingdom for such a time as this. You know what? I didn't live way back in the day. I tell all my preacher friends, I got three, maybe four. I don't know. Sometimes it goes down to two. Sometimes the needle bangs on the bottom a little bit. And so I say, I don't know why I couldn't have pastored 30 years ago. It's so much easier. They're like, yeah, I know. So they agree. But we're here. And we we are the end-time church. So I want to talk today about essentials for the end-time church. Now, I'm going to try to go fast. So I got you out of here to try to beat the Baptist, to try to beat the other churches in line at Ponderosa. All right? Okay. Now, fasting. We got to fast. We're going to have to fast. If you fast, you last. If you fast, you last. Now, Jesus talked about fasting. Fasting is a point in our lives where we throw away, or don't throw away, but we push away food. Because you see, we're, we're, we're dual nature. We're flesh and spirit. And so, these two natures hate each other. My flesh hates my spirit man. And my spirit man is not fond of my flesh. And there's always a war going on. Paul said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, those are the things I do. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And he said, thank, thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. But there's a war going on, and our, our natural body wants to just eat and eat and food and eat and eat and eat. And our spirit man, when our natural man, our spirit man is housed inside this natural man. It is subject to the thoughts, it is subject to the, to the uh, desires of my fleshly creature, my fleshly man. So I have to put them under control, you know? I have to put them under control. I mean, there's sometimes when maybe you got mad enough that you'd like to just take a gun out and shoot somebody. But your spirit man got a hold of him. He said, that's not going to be good. And then your fleshly, your, your, you know, but then the spirit man and the fleshly man said, but, but spirit man, you could start a prison ministry. Some of you didn't get that. 
Okay. So there's a war going on. And Jesus talked about fasting, Matthew 17, 20, and he said unto them, Because of your little faith, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Remove hence yonder place. It shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible. But this kind goeth out, goeth not out, save by prayer and fasting. Jesus said they had, the disciples had encountered a man who had a son who was demon-possessed. They brought the son to the man, and the disciples could not cast the devil out of him. They couldn't get that devil to leave that boy. And so, so they took him to Jesus, and Jesus cast the devil out. And he said, they said, well, why couldn't we do that? And he said, you're going to have to have faith. And he said, you've got to know this. You have to have prayer and fasting. Fasting conditions your spirit. Fasting conditions your, your flesh to get it out of the way so your spirit can begin to talk to God. We're going to have to learn how to fast around here. You see, fasting is very important. There's not a lot in the scriptures on fasting as far as some ceremonial fasting. There was a lot of fasting in the Old Testament. There was a situation where the Pharisees and scribes in the New Testament, they were adamant and very angry because Jesus' disciples did not fast. You see, the Jews fasted on the second and fifth day of the week. The religious Jews, the second and fifth day of the week. And they were angry because they said, your disciples are not fasting. He said, well, they're not fasting because I'm still with them. They're still happy, happy, happy. But one day I'm going to be gone. He said, then they'll fast because I'm going to be gone. Fasting brings us into a place with God where God can talk to us, where things can happen in our lives. Cornelius. Cornelius was on a fast. He re-read in Acts 10, 30, Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting unto this hour. So Cornelius is on a four-day fast. He said, at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are, are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Cornelius is fasting and gets a visitation from an angel. I don't know how many times I hear people say, I was on an extended fast and prayer, and the Lord came to me with a vision. I was on an extended fast, and the Lord brought this to me, or this happened to me. And, I, and all through my upbringing, I have heard people say, I was on a fast, and this happened. I believe that fasting will open you up to the supernatural. Because number one, it's going to tell God how serious we are about moving into his presence. How serious we are about leaving the confines of the flesh behind, not feeding the flesh, and all of that business, and saying, Lord, I am setting myself apart to seek your face. Now, I know it doesn't look like it, but I do fast. I know it does. But I realize what is wrong with me. I am insulin. I have insulin. I'm an insulin intolerant. Because I saw it on a commercial one night. There is a layer between, between here somewhere. That is not a, Nathan can probably help me with this. Nathan or Michelle, somebody, Megan. That's, some, that's stopping the, the fat burning material in my life. That's not the help I'm looking for, Megan. It's not the calories that I eat. That has nothing to do with it. 
Well, I'm believing that if I get that stuff, it'll fix the insulin, the intolerance. All right. But I do fast. I'm trying to do better. And, and so uh, what, are, what, am I, what are we saying here? I hear people say, well, I, I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast television for a week. I know that's not really not going to hurt you. I'm going to fast. I heard one guy say, I think I'm, what did that one guy say to us, Amy, in, in uh, Denny's one night? Some guy came up to us and was going to be spiritual, and he said, I'm thinking about going on about a three- or four-day fast. And he said, I, I think he said it was going to face fa- uh, fast Facebook. And I said, well, my Lord, if that's the case, I've been on a fast for years. Amen. Amen. I'm talking, we're talking about food. Jesus was talking about food here. He was talking about denying your flesh. And so when we deny our flesh, we, we are in a place where we can hear from heaven. Amen. And in this last hour, like I said, you, you know, people were freaking out about not having to be able to get toilet paper. Remember how bad you felt when you couldn't get toilet paper? And when you went to Walmart, it didn't matter whether it was sandpaper or 80 grit. You're just thankful. Now, I don't know about you, but as I, as I went into the store during the toilet paper pandemic, amen, the first place I would go is I'd be like shop till you drop, man. I'd be out there, I'd fly down that aisle, Frank, you know, at about 85 miles an hour, I'd two-wheel the cart down in the toilet paper deal. Nothing. Wow. Until I realized that that was the time when they would let the old people in, right, early. And I thought, if I, if I wear a, a, a big coat and my glasses and a hat and a mask, I can get in there early. And the Lord gave me favor. And there was toilet paper in there. Listen, we may have shortages of all kinds of stuff before this is all over with. We're going to have to get ready because church as usual, I think, is done. Church as usual, I think, is done. So we're going to have to get ready for the end time. And it may require us. We may be fasting not because the Lord called us just to fast, but there may not be anything to eat around here either, you know, because they were talking about meat shortages and all the production plants were shut down. Listen, God's getting ready to shake this world, and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And we're either going to be the end time church or we're not going to be the end time church. And I know I'm talking to you about fasting, 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 and praying, praying, praying. I probably remind you of your ex. I know, I probably do. Just nag, nag, nag. When are you going to take out the trash? When are you going to mow the grass? Good God of Zion. Please pick up your socks off the floor. But I'm telling you, it's going to take fasting. It's going to take seeking God. Cornelius sought God for four days fasting because he was a man hungry after the things of God. So i got to ask us this question. How hungry are we for the things of God? Are we willing to push away a plate? Are we willing to say, God, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to seek you in a different level? Come on now, somebody. I'm talking to us right now. I'm talking, and it's good. Paul, let's see about Paul here. Paul is on a ship. He's headed to Rome. First problem is, he is nervous. When, well, he's not nervous, but he tells him, he says, we're going to have trouble. We're gonna, this this, this uh, journey is going to be bad. He said there's going to be shipwreck. Read it. It's in Acts chapter 27. There's going to be shipwreck, probably loss of life. All sorts of things are going to happen. Lo and behold, they hit a hurricane. Now, this wasn't a cruise line. They weren't on Carnival or Norwegian. They weren't even on a Disney cruise. 
They weren't on a cruise ship. They're on a ship, and they're at a, in a little boat. But in Acts 27, 22, he said, I exhort you to be of good cheer. Now, they're in the storm. The storm's lasting three days. They're in the middle of the storm. Paul's already said, I don't feel good about this before they even left. And now he gets up and says, gentlemen, I just want you to be happy. And they're thinking, what happened there? He said, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but we're going to lose the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Now, why did that angel stand by Paul? Why did that angel visit Paul? Was Paul special? Yeah, he was special. He was apostle to the Gentiles. He was the the man of the hour. But he said, an angel stood by me. And he said this to them. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take some food, saying, this day is the 14th day that you wait and continue fasting, having taken nothing. Those guys have been on a 14-day fast. You know what we'd be doing? I'd be... There's no, you can't get seasick when you're 14 days fasting. But there's a 14-day fast going on. And an angel shows up and tells Paul, everything's going to be all right. Why? Because Paul was serious about this thing. I'm talking about Brother Frankie, elements for the end-time church. Fasting. You ready to fast? You experience that insulin resistance too, don't you? I know I do. I'm asking God, help me. Help me, Lord. And when you fast... Listen, the longer you fast, the better you feel because your pants start hanging loose on you again and you can get your jacket buttoned. But don't worry, about three days after you start eating again, it's all back to where it was. It's just, it's just a fake. It's just a facade. He said, we've been fasting 14 days. Everything is gone. But the angel stood by me and everything's going to be all right. You see, I'm talking about that. I'm talking about prayer, prayer, prayer. You're going to have to pray. I'm not just talking about now, lay me down to sleep. I'm not praying, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for food. I'm talking about praying. I'm talking about God gave you the Holy Ghost. It's time to let the Holy Ghost start praying in your life. It's time to start letting the Holy Ghost speak out of you and start praying. Somebody said, what what do you mean pray like in the Holy Ghost? I'm telling you that the Holy Ghost, when he prays through you, when those tongues pray through you, that's perfect prayer. Say perfect. Perfect, perfect prayer. Because you don't know what you ought to pray for, but the Spirit makes intercession for you according to the will of God. I'm talking about praying. It's time to ratchet up our prayer life. And I'm not just hitting all you guys. I'm talking to myself. I got to pray more. I got to fast more. I'm not going to ask you to go anywhere or do anything that I haven't done or wouldn't do myself. Amen? I'm talking about as a church, we're going to have to pray in this hour. And, you know, when, when the when the when the buildings went down in New York and the planes flew into the buildings, there for several weeks or a couple months after that, people were running into church. They were all, all there. But where are they now? They're all gone again. And you see, everything is, is kind of getting back to normal. But I'm telling you, when the riots start hitting Effingham, when the riots start hitting Chauvinier, or wherever you live, uh, Quality Hill, wherever you live, when the riots start hitting, what are we going to do? When you can't get any electric because there's no electric because the power's been shut off and the and everything's been vandalized. When you can't get any formula for the baby, when you can't get any food, what are we going to do? We're going to have to learn how to pray. We're going to have to learn how to get down and say, God, give us this day our daily bread. We got to pray. Got to pray. I was encouraged yesterday with the good crowd we had of prayer. 
Now, don't just tell me you came from music practice. I don't even want to know about that. Amen. Upper room experience. They have Pentecost. What in the world? Acts chapter 114. They all con- these all continue with one accord in prayer. Say prayer. And supplication. Say supplication. With the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brother. And they're getting ready to go into the upper room. They're up there taking a census right now of who all's in there. Now, supplication means a petition. In the Greek, it means asking. It, like in the New Testament, is, is request addressed by men to God. They went into that upper room and said, Lord, you promised us the promise of the Father, and we're going to wait for it until it comes. You promised to give me what I said you said you'd give me, and I'm going to wait for it till, I, till it comes. How many of you have been given the promises of the Lord in your life, in your, in your home, in your family, in your personal walk with the Lord? It's time to start doing supplication and saying, God, I'm not leaving until you bless me. I'm not stopping until I get a hold of it. I'm not going to slow down. I'm not going to give up God I'm just going to keep on pursuing you oh for somebody to pursue the Lord oh for somebody to get radical for Christ around this place yeah prayer James 4 2 well why don't we have this why don't we have that you have not because you ask not I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. I mean, real long. I went to Bible college almost 40, you know, a long time ago. I, I, I remember years after I got out of Bible college, I went to Bible college and I had a Volkswagen Rabbit. What, isn't that awesome? Diesel. 42 miles to the gallon. Amen. In the wintertime, where I lived, it had a 10-gallon tank. Now listen to this, farmers. You run her down, Brother Larry, two gallons of kerosene, eight gallons of diesel. You know why? Because it gels up. You are S-T-U-C-K. Stuck. Stuck. Years after that, I got in an old rabbit, and I'm like, wow, I didn't realize the seats were this small. I'm like, wow, they didn't feel quite this tight when I, when I went to college. So I just put that in the filing cabinet in my mind. And then I, I, I was flying from Baltimore back here one time on Southwest. I was one of the last guys to get on the flight. So, you know, they say, take whatever seat's available. I prefer an aisle seat now. When I was younger, I preferred a window seat. Now I like an aisle because you can kind of hang over in the aisle. All right? Well, there wasn't any aisle seats. There wasn't any window seats. There was just two. There was like two seats left, and they were in the middle. So you had to decide which person looked the cleanest and who would smell the freshest. And neither of them looked very good. So I sat between these two, back, these two guys. One was black, one was white. And both of them were a little chunky. And I thought, okay, well, Lord, if we go down, I got some, I got some extra cushion here. 
So I get in there. Of course, you don't want to look at people's eyes when, 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 you, when they're already seated, they're belted in. And they don't look at you. You look straight ahead. Or, you know, you're down here digging in whatever your purse or whatever you got. You know, you're just trying because you don't want to make eye contact. Kind of like when the math teacher is looking for somebody to do the next equation and you're going, okay, Tracy, come on up. Oh. So I said, kind of just kind of sit down there. They got him. I snuggled down in there. And I didn't remember it being that tight either. And I looked at these guys and I said, they just don't make them as big as they used to, do they? Oh, he said, you got that right. You got that right. But listen, I've been away from college for a long time. I've been away, and life goes on. And, and the Lord gives us promises. And the devil wants to keep those promises from us. And so I'm, li- I'm living for the Lord all these years, and it's just a few years ago. And, and the Lord says, why don't you pray for blah, blah, blah? And I said, I don't know. He said, you have not because you asked not. Maybe if you prayed for it, I'd give it to you. So I'm here to challenge us today to say whatever you want, if you haven't been praying for it, I pray the Lord open your understanding that you will see, God, this is what I need to start praying for in my life. Hallelujah, because God may want to give you that gift, that gifting, that anointing, whatever he wanted to give you that he told you he'd give you years ago, which, you know, he told you he'd give you me, and bless God, here we are. Whoa, 33 years. If I can't have you, I don't want nobody, baby. Yeah? get that anointing on you get that blessing on you because god wants to use you to touch other people you have not because you ask not what's the lord bringing to your spirit right now what's he telling you you got to go ask for just ask it doesn't cost anything to ask just ask for and god's going to give it to you because he's not going to withhold something good from you amen hallelujah amen all right i'm locked up again jonathan Jonathan's locked me up. The apostles are threatened. Oh, threatened. Marcus would like that. Acts 4.18. And they commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. There may come a time when they're going to tell us that. They're already telling churches, you you can't get together. The churches in California are still meeting outside. And they're giving them issues about it. But the bars and casinos can be open. Isn't that amazing? And Nancy can still get her hair done. <laughs> Hallelujah. There you go. Well, what did the apostles do here? 429. He said, Lord, and they said, And now, Lord, observe their threats and grant to your bondservants full freedom to declare your message fearlessly while you stretch out your hand to cure and to perform signs and wonders through the authority and the, by the power of the name of your holy child and servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were assembled was shaken. When's the last time we prayed and the building shook? When's the last time we got a hold of God and things began to happen in our lives? Listen, brothers and sisters, the devil has us so worn down. The devil has us so worn out. The devil has, has allowed people to come into our lives and put their trash into our lives and put weights upon us. And we're just there trying to carry all the weight when all we need to do is if you ask me something, I will give it to you. He says, you shall ask anything in my name and I will do it that the Father will be glorified. 
glorified in the Son. He said, you have not because you ask not. How about, Lord, take this burden away from me. Take this load off of me. I don't want to live in that shadow anymore. I don't want to live under that weight anymore. I want to be free. Anybody want to be free? Anybody want to be free in this house? Anybody want to be free in this house? Anybody want to be set free in this house? Hallelujah. And the place was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They continued to speak the word of God with freedom and boldness and courage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because there a miracle had taken place. The lame man at the gate and 5,000 were added to the church in one day. 5,000. Brother, Kevin, 5,000. We can't fit them all in here. Even if you stand up. Get rid of the pews and everybody stand up straight. You're not going to get 5,000 in here. Why? God's wanting to do something. You see, the devil, when things happen like this, the devil wants to fight you. He wants to intimidate you. He wants to put you out to pasture. He wants to make you think you're not relevant anymore. I'm telling you, you are relevant. You still got some stuff in you, Brother Frank. You still got some stuff in you, my friend. We all have stuff in us. Why? Because God has put his spirit in us. He has sealed us until the holy, that holy day of redemption with the power of his Holy Ghost, and he's not going to let you fall. He's not going to give up on you. He's not going to let you down. He just wants you to keep on praying and keep on walking and keep on seeking and keep doing what I'm trying to do in your life. Amen. Yes. Give the Lord a hand praise. It's going to help me a whole lot. Yeah. Peter's locked up. Pete's locked up. Pete. Say what? Pete's locked up. We first came into this church. Pete was sitting back there. Pete's over. I said, oh, thank you, Lord, Pete. I said, Pete, we need a we need to start a black church. He said, well, I ain't black. I said, what? He said, I'm Jamaican. Oh, Pete. Okay. But this Pete is locked up. Peter is locked up because there's a conspiracy going on here. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 and 4 and 5. Now about the time Herod, the king, stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Verse 4, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions. You know how many soldiers that is? That's 16. He took that apostolic preacher and put him with 16 soldiers. Is that how big the threat is? Is that how big our threat is? Huh? How does the devil see you? Oh, did you hear that? How does the devil see you? Not how do you think the devil sees you. How does the devil see you? They put Peter in custody with 16 soldiers. 16 soldiers. And he was kept in prison. But look at the next two words. But prayer, prayer, prayer. Here's your ex again. Prayer, nagging you. Prayer, prayer, prayer. You know, Proverbs says that a nagging woman is like a continual dripping of water. I'm just telling you what the word says. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to modify that for today's generation. We're just going to put your ex in there. Ex what? Ex father-in-law, ex mother-in-law. 
ex-brother, ex-sister, ex-wife, ex. I'm just nagging you, nagging you. Prayer, prayer. We want to we want to we want to sit on the couch. We want to sit in the lazy boy, and watch TV for hours and hours and hours, and then get up and raise the dead and open blinded eyes and watch the demons cast out. We don't want to pray. We don't want to fast. We don't want to spend any time at it. We come on now, somebody. I know this is hurting you. I know. I know. I'm. This is not a hoopty hoopty holler thing. I know. Come on. I, but listen, we we expect God to do all of this. We wonder why we got little creepy things in our lives that are taking our victory when we haven't prayed to get them out of there. When we haven't put up any support and any shield to say, okay, you're not coming in here anymore. At some point in your life, you're going to have to stand up and say, enough is enough, and we are not doing that anymore around here. No, 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 no. Everybody say, no, 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 no. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it. No, 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 no. Come on, say it like you're talking to your kid. Say it like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't think so. I'm not going into the whole story. Clark knows it because, thank God, his cousin didn't see it. I've told you the story a million times. Megan was little. She kept having nightmares. She kept winding up in my bed. That's not good, especially when the bed is a double bed. Or full size. Full size is not big enough for two adult people. You touch each other all the time. Now, there are times you want to touch. There are other times you really don't want to touch. But you get a kid in there, and the first thing is the kids sleep sideways. Why can't they sleep straight like you sleep? And you get kicked in the mouth with feet. So she's in my bed. I mean, it's, it's constant. Oh, I had a bad dream. Oh, it's so scared. And after a week or so, that's, that's how I was feeling. Oh, Jesus, you got to help me. So finally, one night, I don't know, it's about 4 o'clock in the morning. She came in, crawled in bed. Oh, I'm scared. I had a bad dream. And usually I sleep like a, I, like, I sleep heavy. But I'm something got a hold of me, and I threw the covers back, and I said, I have had enough of this. And I went to the kitchen, and I grabbed the oil. I think it's probably good old YGA. It wasn't even Wesson. Amen. I got the oil, and I'm in my pajamas. They're just white. I'm just telling you that. They're white, white pajamas. That's what I sleep in, white pajamas. And I went to the oil, and I got it, and I started smearing the doors. And, and I said, you know what? I'm not even just going to smear the doors. I'm going to kick the devil out. And I opened up the front door of the house, and I jumped out there on the porch right over here, Airport Road. Thankfully, there wasn't security cameras in the neighborhood. And I yelled when I was there in my white pajamas, Devil, get out of here in the name of Jesus, and don't ever come back. Brother, that was the last night that Megan came to my bed because of nightmares. What are you trying to say? I'm telling you it's time to take authority in your life over what the devil is trying to put in your life. 
The devil wants to drag you down. He wants to wear you out. He wants to lie to you and say your best days are behind you when God is saying the best days are still yet to come. I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, it's time to let go and let God start doing some work in your life and start putting some essentials in there and saying, I might be down, but I'm getting back up. You might have knocked me down before, but I'm not staying down anymore. Let's give the Lord some praise right now. Oh, yes. I'm telling you, the devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. Why are you listening to him? Man, you don't listen to your wife when she tells you the truth. Why are you listening? You listen to the devil more than you do her. Come on. Come on, man. Come on, man. That's malarkey. Come on. The devil's a liar. He wants to lie to you and say, oh, it's all over for you. God's not going to help you no more. That's bad English, but I used it. God's not going to help you no more. You might as well just give up. Well, if he wants you to give up, you must be doing something right because apparently you are concerned to him. If you weren't a concern to him, you wouldn't even deal with him. He wouldn't deal with you. Come on. I want you to think about people that make no difference and no matter in your life. I'm not being mean. You know you have people that you don't really care about. Right? How much time do you spend thinking about them? But the people that you're concerned about in your life, how much time do you spend thinking about them? Let's just put that back on the devil. So if you didn't matter to the devil, he wouldn't even think about you. Oh, that's good, Pastor. That is re- that's really good. I got a really good over there. I got an amen here. Oh, that'll work. If you're not a concern to the devil, why is he after you? If you're not a threat to the devil, why is he lying to you? Why is he trying to slow you down? Why is he trying to to discourage you if you're not a threat to him? I would say that you're more of a threat to him than you really think that you are a threat to him. You know what? Casey, you made me proud yesterday, just like an old dad. But now, not all of it, because Ryan went up there and spoke into the microphone. But you didn't. Robert would have had for you. But Casey wrote down some thoughts about her grandma. Now, let me tell you about her grandma. Her grandma was 94 years old. Her and her husband were married 72 years. Whoa. Whoa. I was trying to calculate how many more years I got with Amy at 72 years. I got a lot. But Casey said this. You took us to church and trained the child up in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Wow. 
That's good. You know why? You know why the devil fights Casey? Because she's a threat. Yeah, Casey, you talk to him. You bring him to church. And guess what? They get the Holy Ghost. They get baptized. And then for some reason, they don't realize that we're going to win if we just hang in there. And then they just disappear. Disappear. They just disappear. And you know what? The devil wants you to get you discouraged and say, well, nobody wants this thing. But guess what? We're not quite in the end time yet. There's going to be people getting ready to want this thing. Because it's going to be worse than not being able to get toilet paper or 80-grit sandpaper. I'm telling you, it's going to get rough out here. And if we're going to be the end-time church, we're going to have to be a church that's ready for them. We're going to have to be ready for this harvest that the Lord is going to want to send. Amen. I pray for the day, and I'm looking forward to the day when there's not a parking spot on this 13 acres. they got to park up and down Jeanette Drive. Hallelujah. they got to stand outside the door because this place is so full, they can't even get in here. Standing room only. Hallelujah. You know why I'm saying that? Because before we bought this building... Amber had a dream that I was standing behind this pulpit and this place was packed wall to wall with people and they were out the back door. She did not know that in that same time she had that dream that we were getting ready to buy this building. You see how Jesus works? And so what am I hanging on to? Hey, you know what? Look at this. We got lots of room right now. You can come here at 5 to 10 and get you a seat. Yeah. You can almost get you a front row seat if you want. My front row guy's gone from here. He's way back there today. Tim, got gum in my mouth. And if you want the holy spit, it's got antibiotics in it to the COVID. Hey, I give plasma. I called the plasma place and said, let me tell you something. I've had it. I'm over it. I got paperwork to prove it. She said, come on down. $75 a hit. Amen. I'm like Peter, not only my hands, but my feet and my legs. Hallelujah. Poke those needles in wherever you can. Get all that plasma you can. Hallelujah. I'm ready for the end time. And guess what? We better be ready for the world because they're going to be coming in here. They're going to be scared to death. They're going to be freaking out. They're not going to understand who, what, when, where, why. Let me say this. What about an old brother Danny? He's not here today. What about old brother Danny? You know how every time brother Danny teaches, he teaches on financial collapse. So Danny, can you encourage us a little bit? Well, your dollar's not going to be any good. Oh, Danny. Okay. What happens when our money is no good? What happens in America when our God, money, is no good any longer? And people can't buy or sell. That's what the Word says. Come on now. You see, we've got to be an end-time church. We've got to be ready like these guys were ready. We've got to have a pattern and be ready like these guys were ready to go. Hallelujah. Now, Peter's in prison. They prayed. The Bible says, but the church prayed. They prayed. Now, watch what happens here. He knocks at the door in the gate, and the servant girl, Rhoda, comes up. Peter is escaped 
in the middle of 16 soldiers, God bust him out of there. 16 soldiers. It's not impossible for God. And they just, all the soldiers fell asleep. And they ain't, now watch what Peter, I don't have time to get in this, but Peter was asleep too. He wasn't crying, oh my God. Oh Jesus, I've done so much for you. I was there in Matthew when you said, who are you? I said, you're the son of the living God. You gave me the keys and now I'm locked up in this prison. He cut off James's head. He's going to cut off my, oh God, I can't even sleep. No, the Bible says Peter was asleep. He's asleep. How about sleeping in the ship when the ship's in the middle of a storm? That's where they found Jesus. The Bible says he was asleep on a pillow. Oh. See, the problem is in your storm, you're going to have to have Jesus in your storm. If you got Jesus in your storm or in your jail cell, everything's going to be all right. Brother Kevin, everything's going to be all right if you got Jesus in the jail cell with you. So Peter gets busted out. He goes and knocks on the door. When she recognizes that it's Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back to tell everybody, Peter's at the door. Peter's at the door. Peter's at the door. Yeah. Now I want to show you the attitude of the church. Watch what they say here. You're out of your mind. They said, that's got to be his angel. He's dead. They said, you're crazy. They weren't conditioned and ready for what they were praying for. And we aren't either. Brothers and sisters, we are not ready for what we're praying for. We're not ready for the move of God that God wants to send on the earth. I'm telling this church as the pastor, you better get ready. You better get ready. It's going to happen. I'm telling you, it's going to be chaos here in a week or so. You better get ready, get ready, get ready. You better be ready to do whatever it takes to get in the kingdom. Stay in the kingdom. Don't turn around. Don't go back. You can't do it. You can't stop. You can't slow down. You got to keep on going. Paul the Apostle. Hallelujah. We're going to fly through him pretty quick. We're almost done. Now, Paul is converted. And, and uh, Jesus says, the Lord says to uh, Ananias, the preacher, I want you to go over to Straight Street. Now, on this day that we live in, that's a beautiful street to live on. Straight Street. Orientation. Straight. You guys remember Brother Maupin, right? Brother Maupin... He says, I remember. You know, of course, he's, what, 6'5", six, 6 million pounds. He says, if you ever hear that I failed and ran off with a woman, that could be true. But then he kind of grins and he says, if you hear that I failed and ran off with a man, he said, that is a lie. I concur. I just don't know how. Anyhow, Straight Street. He said, go to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man named Tarsus, named Saul. What did God say? Because Ananias was scared to death. He said, he's praying to me right now. He's praying now. Don't worry about it, Saul. He's praying. He said, I've shown him in a vision that a man named Ananias has come in to lay hands on him so he can see again. He said, don't worry, he's praying now. Ananias is still needing some comfort and consolation here. Okay? 
He says, but Lord, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul because he was praying now. You see, it makes a difference when you're praying now. You know, instead of crying and belly aching, shut up and pray. I mean, be quiet and pray. Pray. Get a hold of yourself, man. Pray. Philippians 4, 6, New Living Translation. Don't worry about anything. That's not on there, but it's a nice one. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. He said, Brother Saul... The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me to that He sent me to you that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized. Why? Because he's praying. It's time. It's time. It's time. Amen. Church, any time, any place, anywhere. Say any time, any place, anywhere. Church. Church. All right. One, three. Any, anywhere. Ready? One, two, three. Anywhere, anytime, any place. There may be come a time that we can't meet here. I'm just being honest. There may come a time where we can't get here. You got to be ready to have church anywhere, anytime, any place. You got to be ready. They continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from where? House to house, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily. The Lord added to the church daily. Where they have prayer, where they have church, they had it in their house, they had it in the synagogue. Come on now, somebody. Verse Acts 5, 42, and daily in the temple. Okay, Caitlin, I'm ready. In the, and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. In the temple and in houses. That's why we like life groups. That's why we like life groups. That's why we like small groups. That's like why we do that. Why? Because we're getting ready. Everybody say, get ready. Get ready. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house. This is Cornelius, which stood and said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Peter. Why? Because he's in the house. The angel showed up in the house. Didn't show up at church. Showed up in the house. Paul said in Acts 20, 20, and you know that I did not hold back anything that would be of help to you as I preached and taught in public and in your homes. I'm not just talking about life groups. I'm talking about Bible studies. I'm talking about teaching Bible studies. You guys, you guys that are scared of Bible studies, you might as well get unscared because God wants to use you in Bible studies. I got a jump drive with a nice Bible study. You plug it into a computer and you just walk them right through it. Amen. It's time for somebody that you've talked to to get baptized. It's time for somebody that you've talked to to come up here and get the Holy Ghost. And this isn't the altar area. This altar area is everywhere. You can get it in the back. You can get it in the corner. You can get it up behind the screen. I saw Sister Sylvia get it in front of the screen. Amen. I'll never forget Sister Sylvia getting. And she had her antennas up. 
I was standing up there and I said, hit her, Lord. Hallelujah. So you don't know what I'm praying for when I, I might, Lord, just knock them out. One guy down in Louisiana, he'd come to church and pray through and then leave and backslide. And then a little while later, he'd come to church and pray through and then leave and backslide. It was just a constant deal. I had the perfect solution for it. I said, the next time he gets the Holy Ghost, somebody needs to shoot him right there in the, in the altar. That way he ain't got time to go out and backslide. We're going to send him on to the Lord. Amen. He'll be saved. Hallelujah. We start a prison ministry, right? Yeah. Start you in your house. Bring the words of life into the house. What's happening? After Paul, watch what happened here. Paul lived in Rome for two years at his own expense. He rented a lodging, and he welcomed all who came to him, preaching to the, them the kingdom of God and teaching them about the Lord Jesus. Amen. Paul, Romans 16, 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. Hallelujah. Look, give their greetings, give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Amen. We might have to start some more works, Family Worship Center. We might have to hit some of these little towns, throw another church in them. Come on now. Amen. Not everybody can drive here. Not everybody can get here. Traffic's heavy at times. Amen. Worship and praise. Worship and praise. What are you talking about now, Pastor? I'm talking about we're, this end-time church. We're going to have to have the element of worship and praise. We're going to have to have it. Amen. And he arose and went, and behold, man of Ethiopia, the eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had in charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem to worship. What does worship mean? What does worship mean? That word worship comes from that word right there, proskuneo. Watch. Meaning to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand. You know how those of you who have pets, you have a dog, and that dog is so happy to see you, and he just wants to lick on you. That's what that Ethiopian eunuch came to do. He came to worship, to lick like a dog. So happy. Are we that are we that ready? Are we at that level of worship yet? To prostrate oneself in homage, to do reverence, to adore, to fawn or to crouch. That's what worship means. Let's all stand. And when they had laid many stripes on them, this is Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail. Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail. They, get, they ended up in jail doing the will of God. Right before this, they had just cast out devils out of a, a young damsel. She had a spirit of divination. The Bible says that she made a lot of money for her masters. And every day, Paul and Silas would go to the temple to pray, and that girl would follow them. And she would talk and mock, and she would say, These are servants of the Most High God. These are servants of the Most High God. Bible says that Paul being weary one day finally said I adjure thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth come out of her that devil came out just like that you know why because Paul was walking in the elements he was walking in prayer he was walking in fasting 
He was walking in worship. Uh-huh. They ended up in jail because of that. Had, they were beat, cast in prison. And the jailer was charged to keep them safely, who receiving such a charge thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. And so, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. All right, Family Worship Center. You know that presence of the Lord that we felt today? We got to have more of that. Okay? And guess what? These praise singers up here, they are not getting any money. They're not under contract. So, it's not a show. Okay? In fact, probably the singers' union would be mad. They're leading us in worship. Now, so when I, I'm up here like this, you know why I'm up here like this? Because I don't want to see you back there going like this. Clapping, you're going like this. Would you do me a favor? At least clap. Pastor, and, and I know, I know, I know this. You guys come from all different backgrounds. We've already been through that. We got Catholics, we got Methodists, ex Methodists, ex Catholic, we got Baptists, we got ex Christians, we got ex Lutherans. We got it all. It's all here. And I know we're all first generation. We're not, you know, professional Pentecostals. And we know how to do the woo-woo-woo. But I'm praying that the woo-woo gets a hold of some of you. Because it's very disturbing and very frustrating for the singers to look back there and you're all going. And the pastor goes, oh, come on, let's lift our hands. Frankie, you got dogs, right? What's your dog's names? Missy and Roxy. When you walk in the door, okay, Missy and Roxy, come lick me. You don't have to. Why not? They're already there jumping. They're already there jumping. You're grinning over there. I know you got a dog. I know he's well behaved. You stand in faith. I understand. It's, he's joy. It's joyful. Joyful. So when you walk in the door, do you have? His name is Oakley. Oakley, come lick me. Come worship me, Oakley. He does it himself. He's. He does it himself. He's not told. Brothers and sisters, we're going to have to become a worshiping church. We're going to have to become a church that loves Jesus more than anything else in the world. We're going to have to be a church that's going to clap. If you don't, can't clap and sing, pick one. I prefer you just clap, okay? Just make a loud noise. You know, you might walk in here and say, oh my God, the pastor's so snobby. He don't, 
He don't even look around. I can't. You guys send me into coronary attack. You got fire shut up in your bones. You got fire shut up in your bones. You have resurrection power one day that's going to change you from corrupted to incorruptible, from mortal to immortality. It's going to lift you up off of this earth, and gravity cannot hold you down. Brother, you got fire in you. You got fire in you. It's time for us to display the results and the actions and the reaction of the fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Ha ha. Glory to God. There was a great earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken and everyone's bands were loosed. Now listen, I'm closing. When, when you start worshiping here, people get delivered back there. You start worshiping here, people get delivered over here. That's how God works. Psalm 22, 3, he lives in our praise. Let's build him a habitation of praise. Let's co- I, know, I know you came from different backgrounds. I know you came from a little bit quieter church, a little bit deader church. But let's make this place alive with the worship and the praises of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's make this place on fire for God that when an addict walks in here, when an alcoholic walks in here, he can lay down that addiction and the fire of the Holy Ghost consume that addiction and he walk out of here sober and free for the rest of his days. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Guess what? Guess what? This guy right here, he was an alcoholic. Yes? Yes? Yes. Alcoholic. He came to the old building. I baptized him in that wonderful horse trough. Remember that? Yeah. But then he didn't quite get locked into the Lord yet. Found himself, eventually found himself homeless. Nowhere to go. Dead broke. So, wouldn't the Lord just have it? Remember this, Brother Kevin? That night at the intersection when I pulled up behind you. No, you pulled up behind me. And I said, there's Kevin. And I put, it's about 1030 at night out here in Vandalia up there at the Road Rage intersection. I put the old truck in park and I jumped out. And I walked back. I said, hey, Brother Kevin, what are you doing? And he kept going like this. Well, he thought he was hiding from it. I saw that cigarette he was trying to hide under his leg. And I said, if you go any lower with that, you're going to set your pants on fire. And I said, Kevin, I miss you at church. I love you, man. God's got something for you. It wasn't a few months later, was it? It wasn't a few months later. He went to rehab. Eight months. Holy Ghost filled rehab. That was in April of 2011. He graduated in December of 2011. Guess what? Kevin hasn't had a drink since April of 2011. Nine and a half years. Why? Because there's a church that's willing to say, I need the end time element of worship and praise in our church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord for a moment. Lord, I want the power of your spirit to
to flow over me. Oh, refreshing, refilling, and reviving me. Oh, there is a hunger, and it's deep down inside of me for the power of your spirit to flow over me. You want to talk to the Lord a little bit? Come on up front. Lord, I want the power of your spirit to flow over me. Oh, refreshing and refilling and reviving me. Oh, there is this hunger, and it's deep down inside of me for the power of your spirit to flow over me. Lord, I hunger and I thirst for a touch of you. Oh, revival throughout the land. Oh, breathe on me now, oh, breath of God. Pour your power out upon me. Your spirit to flow over me. Oh, refreshing and refilling and reviving me.